Welcome to episode 18 of the Country Line Songwriter Series, where you'll hear from some of the most successful artists and songwriters working in Nashville today. Country music is all about storytelling, and this is where you'll discover the stories from the people themselves of how they managed to find their way into such a competitive industry and rise to the top, what motivates and inspires them, and what they've learned along the way. Hailing from Philadelphia, Mississippi, Hardy was born Michael Hardy. He headed to Nashville in the early 2010s with the intention of breaking into the country music industry. First, he attended Middle Tennessee State University as a student in their recording industry management program. He wound up graduating with a degree in songwriting. While he was studying, he self-released an EP called Redneck Recipe in 2013. He also posted his songs online. Hardy landed his first charting hit with Up Down, a song he co-wrote with Brad Clawson and CJ Solar. Morgan Wallen recorded it with the support of Florida George Line, taking it to number one on the Billboard Country Airplay chart after its November 2017 release. Things began to happen swiftly for Hardy after that. FGL recorded Simple, a song he wrote with the duo along with writer Mark Holman. This Old Boy, Hardy's debut EP, was produced by Joey Moy, the producer behind Florida Georgia Line's hits. It was issued in October of 2018. Where to Find Me arrived on its heels in January of 2019, and September brought the release of Hicks Tape Volume 1, a country variation on a hip-hop mixtape featuring cameos from the likes of Cole Swindell, Morgan Wallen and Thomas Rhett. One Beer, a single pulled from Hicks Tape Volume 1, featuring Lorna Elena and Devin Dawson, became Hardy's first country airplay single in 2020, leading to its appearance on A Rock, Hardy's debut full-length album. Arriving in September of 2020, A Rock featured the hit Give Heaven Some Hell, which reached number 11 on the country airplay chart in 2021. In 2021, Hardy appeared on the Dirks Bentley single Beers On Me and Brantley Gilbert's The Worst Country Song of All Time. On his own, he released Hicks Tape Volume 2 and a cover of Puddle of Mud's Blurry, telegraphing his move towards hard rock in 2022, a transition marked by the Billboard hard rock chart topper Sold Out. Despite his rock success, Hardy also concentrated on the country market, reaching the country airplay top 10 with the Laney Wilson collaboration, Wait in the Truck. He brought these two musical personalities together on the 2023 double album, The Mockingbird and the Crow. The former represented his countryside and the latter his rock personality. Upon its release, Hardy chatted with myself, Stuart Bamford. The Countryline Songwriters Series with Hardy. Your current collaboration with Laney Wilson, Wait in the Truck. It's got this lovely 90s country feel to it. A classic murder ballad with such an important message about domestic violence, which is only amplified and highlighted by the song's tremendous music video. Now, I know you wrote the song with Hunter Phelps, Jordan Schmidt and his wife, Renee Blair is also listed as a songwriter. Is it true that the idea for this song was born out of a conversation that you had with Hunter Phelps about what you each might hypothetically do if someone ever attacked your partners? Wow, that's made it all the way over there. That's awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> more or less, we were talking about it and and like somebody made the comment of like, I would find out where the guy lives and, you know, tell my wife to wait in the truck. And he and I both were like, oh, that's a good song idea. So we wrote it down and... We held on to it for uh, like six months, maybe even longer. 
And then uh, we got in the room with Jordan that day and uh, we just threw that idea out. And at first we wanted it to be, or we we had considered it to be kind of like, uh, like tough guy. And like, I'm just going to go kick his ass and like, you know, just I'll be right back kind of thing. But we just thought it'd be, it'd be cooler to, um, you know, make it kind of more a heroic thing and like just a good old boy and a guy that didn't deserve to go to prison and like the, you know, the whole, just really, really make a story out of it and pull at the heartstrings a little more. When I discovered that Rene Blair's vocal was on the original demo, the part that Lainey Wilson sings, I then had to seek out her music. She has the most outstanding voice. Was there ever a moment when you thought about keeping her on the track? So I am a co-writer on the new Hardy and Lainey Wilson single, Wait in the Truck. And I thought you guys might want to hear the demo from the day it was written with me singing Lainey's part. Oh, wow. That's a great question. Uh, maybe there was a chance at some point. Honestly, I don't remember. But um, that's not to say that I don't think Renee is a great singer. And, you know, she wrote that the Have Mercy part on the song, which is why she got a credit. She went in to sing the girl part. And I think she told Jordan, she said, I have an idea. Well, can you just hit record? And she sang that Have Mercy on Me part, which ended up being such a huge part of the song wow. that we decided to give her uh, a writing credit. It was Lainey pretty much from the start. Like we were really excited to ask Lainey and, and I'm closer uh, in relationship with Lainey. And I just think she portrays that character and that country girl more than, than anybody else in town would, to be completely honest with you. Mm-hmm. Now, more recently, you put out this song, which I adore called Jack. Now you wrote this one with Hillary Lindsay and David Garcia and it takes us on a tale of, you know, how alcohol is introduced to people and then what it can do to their lives. Musically, I'm hearing shades of Nirvana, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains. There's a Foo Fighters song that it really reminds me of the structure of it, Let It Die. I think that was a Wasting Light record. Right. Tell me about this one, because I've played this for badness and curiosity to so many people who can't stand country, but adore rock. And it's just incredible to see their eyes light up. <laughs> Don't listen to mama. Hell, I ain't the devil. Ditch me when you wanna. But if you need a little, I can fix your problems. I always got you back. I can make you famous by the way my name is. Yeah, I wanted to write a song to kind of, you know, from the perspective of jack himself kind of portraying him as like the devil or like the evil figure and and just sort of play on how manipulative alcohol can be and and i i my family has a history of alcoholics and i drink you know and i keep it under control and all of that but um so i'm not judging whatsoever but you know it's kind of a paying homage to the people in my family that i've had to deal with the people that you know have had to deal with the secondhand effects of of being an alcoholic and alcoholism and how, how, how much that can affect everybody and everything. I just wanted to, to write a song about that. And that's sort of just what came out. So both Wait in the Truck and Jack feature on your brand new album, The Mockingbird and the Crow. It's coming out this Friday, the 20th of January. 
I mean, the album very much, as we talked about, leans into both the country and rock sides of your sound. I believe it was your father who first really introduced you to rock. And I know Journeys Faithfully was your first dance song at your wedding. Yeah, it was. (laughs) (laughs) But who were some of those early rock acts that you remember hearing that have stayed with you through your life and really you connected with? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. Um, I mean, Led Zeppelin... Soundgarden, Stone Temple Pilots is a big one, Pink Floyd. I would even go as far as to say like um System of a Down. Like I saw I saw the video for Chop Suey on uh MTV when I was like seven years old, seven or eight years old, and I was like, Oh my god, this is incredible. That was a moment that kind of changed my life forever. But um yeah, I would say, dude, even like uh some of my first memories of listening to Leonard Skinner, I love Leonard Skinner. Sometimes I forget how much I love Leonard Skinner, and then I'll like play him and be like, oh my God, I forgot I literally know every song. Uh, but yeah, that's to name a few. You toured last year with Morgan Wallen. You're playing shows again with him this year. You must be very aware whenever you guys collaborate, whether it's a recorded song or a live performance, there's such a buzz. I mean, I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. It's even felt over here in Northern Ireland. There's such a weight of anticipation for what you guys do next. Tell me a bit about, you know, what you've experienced term with him and how you think that's impacted you as a performer. Morgan has included me in every big, big touring moment so far in his life. His first headlining tour uh, was called If I Know Me Tour. Um, he had me as direct support there. His first arena slash amphitheater tour, the Dangerous Tour, he had me as direct support. And now his first stadium tour. Uh, So he has truly put me in front of millions and millions and millions of people that uh, maybe another, someone else wouldn't have given me that same opportunity. So I owe him nearly everything as far as uh, developing my own fan base and, you know, trying to win his fans over into being my fans. Um, And he's really been like my biggest supporter in every way possible. And it's just been really cool to watch him soar and do things that are like on a truly like global level. It's, it's incredible to watch and to be a small part of too. Last year, rightly so, you were named Songwriter of the Year at both the ACM and BMI Country Awards. Now, I know you studied songwriting at Middle Tennessee State University, but um, I was shocked to discover that at the end of your first three-year publishing deal, you didn't have a single cut. So in hindsight, what changed? When did things start to happen? Uh Nothing changed with me, I swear. Like I just, I just kept my nose down and to the grindstone and kept going and kept going. But you're right, man. I had zero cuts. And then the the day I signed my resigned my publishing deal with the same company because I love the company and I love the guy. And I was like, we're gonna do this and we're gonna do this. I got my first cut, which was a Tyler Farr song called "I Should Go to Church Sometime." Right. And then it was a single. And then it flopped at like seventy two on the chart. <laughs> and so I was like. What changed was up down happened. We're just holding it down here in BFE. Still rolling around with a bar CD. Free bird, five minutes deep. Head bobbing up down, up down, up down. Up down and Florida Georgia line and Big Loud as a whole took me in and they were like, We like the way that you write songs. We want you to write songs for us. So I ended up writing up down almost all of Morgan's first record. A lot of uh, Florida Georgia Lines, 
Can't Say I Ain't Country Record, and had a hit on Chris Lane as well. And that was all in the Big Loud camp. So they really like took me under their wing and helped jumpstart my songwriting career. And then from there, you know, like God's Country and all that kind of stuff happened and, and really helped. Wow. There's um a song I want to ask you about. There's an EP you put out in 2019, Where to Find Me. And it's a song you wrote with Ben Burgess and Jordan Schmidt, which I think is one of the best songs. Forget about genres I've ever heard. Signed, Sober, You. Yeah. Tell me about this one. Don't think about it, Don't even touch your phone. I know you think you miss her, but I promise you don't there's healing in the lonely sit back kick off your boots and you'll thank me in the morning like you always do Signed, so very rarely do i like to sit down and start a song without a hook because your hook or your idea is like it's like flying a plane but having no idea where you're gonna land you know what i mean for some reason we did that day and we just sort of landed on sign sober you and it made it through kind of all the, the cracks and stuff. Cause I wrote that before I had a record deal. That was like a year before I had a record deal. And uh, finally when it came time, I was like, man, I want to cut this. I want my first ballad. I want this to be it. So we did. Last October, two big life events, yourself and uh, your wife, Callie, got married. I mean, the wedding looked like the party of the century. And I also love the fact that you got sent that video of congratulations from Ozzy Osbourne. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Michael and Kelly, congratulations to you both. I heard the wedding was a hell of a party. Have a wonderful life together. Michael, those guitars are getting louder in your song. So get loud but also in october yourself and a few members of your crew were involved in this terrible bus accident so mm -hmm. for two very different reasons both events must have impacted your outlook on life and how fragile it is yeah definitely man um you know the wreck was terrifying and we're still shaking up about it you know we went back on tour in december and we all had trouble riding down the road on a bus you know and thought We'd all gone to therapy and done everything that we 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 thought we needed to do to um, get back out on the road. And it's still tough, man. And it's going to take a lot of time. I think if anything, that wreck was like, not that I was not at all taking for granted or not looking forward to the wedding, but it really put perspective for how important and how awesome it is that I get I get to get married to like a somebody that I think is perfect and perfect for me. And, and that wreck really it really, really accentuated that and, and, and made me extra grateful to be alive and to be, be able to find love and that whole thing. It was, a, it was a really big moment. And just very finally, I know thanks to Callie's sister, you own a piece of land and are a Lord in yeah. Scotland. Yeah. So off the back of that, I mean, people would kill me if I didn't ask yourself, I'll even throw Morgan into the mix. Have there been talks, early plans, any outlook in getting over here? I want to come in 24. I, I know that I'm not coming in 23, but I think spring of 24 is when we're going to come. And I don't know if he and I will come together, but I will definitely come. And hold on, I got to show you. I have my uh, my thing right here. This is it, dude. Wow. That's very cool. You've just won a lot of fans in Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man. Lord Michael Hardy, man. I love <laughs> Hardy, listen, I know this is a mental week for you, so thank you for just giving me 15 minutes. Good luck with the new album. It's going to disrupt things. I know I've listened to it about five times now. And uh, yeah, good luck with all the different shows and just continued success, man. 
Thank you so much. Really good to talk to you, man. The Countryline Songwriters Series with Hardy. More episodes from this series are available on the Countryline app and website, or just search for the Countryline Songwriters Series wherever you normally get your podcasts.